Hello, everyone. Welcome in to another episode. It's Capturing the Game, the Game Within the Game podcast featuring me, Desmond Jones, the co-host, and also with Brady, the other co-host as well. Today, we got another uh, episode, so I hope everyone's grabbed their notes, grabbed their pen, grabbed their paper. Uh, we have the statistician herself. It's Ananya Raghavan. Uh, but yes, you heard her. She is currently cu- currently contracting at Google as a sports analyst, and she is also the host of Gen Z Warriors. Anyana, so lovely to have you on today's podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm really appreciative of you guys for having me. It's going to be fun. Always just love chopping it up about sports and basketball. Yeah, same here. That's what you know, that's what we do on capturing the game. So, can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So I am a former Division II college basketball player, played four years at Azusa Pacific University, played mostly a little bit of point guard and shooting guard, but I preferred the point. I I always grew up loving to pass the ball, idolize, you know, Nash, Chris Ball, and of course, Sue Bird were the people I tried to emulate my game after. And that was always my favorite part of basketball is getting assists. But you know, once I graduated from college, I went on to get a job as a game day statistician with the Santa Cruz Warriors. Eventually, that turned into an opportunity for me to join Golden State, and I got to work a number of incredible games, including the 2018-19 playoff run and the NBA Finals. Uh, amazing experience to be at. You know, from there, just eventually landed a job contracting at Google, which is what I do now. So very ingrained in the sports world. It's in my DNA and I just love everything about it. That's awesome. I'm kind of curious, how did you um, find your love for basketball? Like where did that um, kind of begin? So me and my brother, he's about a year and a half older than me, but we're incredibly close and did everything together growing up. Started off with baseball and my dad tried to get us into golf a little bit he said you know let's put the Indians in a non-contact sport they'll do better in that but me and my brother just kind of fell into basketball together we would always be shooting hoops in our backyard instead of practicing our golf swings and so you know my dad said you know let's just you know stick them with something that they're clearly passionate about and it just kind of took off from there I love thinking the game, playing, you know, the chess match of it, being able to make moves and counter moves and dissect what's happening on the court. I think one thing about me is I was always able to think the game better than I was able to play it, which is something my ego lets me admit now long after my playing career is over. But yeah, I just, I really fell into it because of my brother. Who was the better athlete, you or your brother? Oh, 100% him. <laughs> He's okay. a better athlete. I think I think I was smarter about the game, um, but he was kind of a, a freak athlete. He could just run forever. Our former coach used to say he's like an African dog. You know, he's just, just going to outrun you forever, and you'll get tired before he does. No, that's I, I was always curious. I was like asking the siblings, you know, who it was the better athlete because I, I have an older brother, and between me and him, you know, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say since he's now on here, I'm probably was the little better athlete, but he definitely had a better career than I did. So, 
I, I can say my brother was better than me because we, we ran track and basketball and he's always playing on the varsity team. I'm just kind of sitting here just like, yay, <laughs> cheering from the sidelines is what I was doing. Yeah, it's good. It's good when we can give that respect to our siblings. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, so when you was working as a game day uh, statistician, what were some of the things that you had to do or you had to look out for? Can you tell me a little bit, tell us about a little bit about your routine that you had to do? So game days, it's basically you show up to the arena a couple hours early. There's a checklist of things you got to do to prepare for the game, make sure all the active rosters are correct, the, the inactives are correct and properly designated on why someone is out for a game, check with the official score to make sure that we have everything inputted correctly. So just going through a number of little checks before the game. And then during the game, it's whatever is happening on the floor is what we're recording, what we're inputting. So what you would see in a box score play by play that's the data that's being fed out from our stats team. So there's four positions really on the crew. There's two people who call what's happening on the court, one for each team. Then there's a primary inputter who's recording everything that happens as it's being called out and a secondary person who is making sure all those events are incorrectly and is also on headset with the NBA Game Op Center in Secaucus, New Jersey, in case they see anything that they want us to take a look back at. So when I started with Santa Cruz, I started off as a primary statistician. When I transitioned over to Golden State, I kind of moved around between mostly secondary and calling. But one thing that I was able to develop in my three years of doing it is the ability to do all four positions. And I think that that was something that made me really valuable to the stats crew because they could just plug me in wherever they needed me. I remember there was a game this year where we had a last minute COVID situation and I had to jump into the primary seat and I get told this like 30 minutes before game time. So I think that having me have that skill set and just be ready to go, it helped us kind of navigate that whole uncertainty a lot better. No, I think that's awesome. I was able to, um, I worked the four way Mad Ants for two years with doing um, the calling um, for the, the um, primary secondary person. Um, what I was wondering is um, which part or like which one did you find the easiest to do and which one did you find uh, the most difficult to learn? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I think the easiest one was kind of secondary for me and it was also one that allowed me to watch the game a lot more than any of the other positions um, which is kind of ironic because with calling you are literally having your eyes on the floor. But I think with secondary, that was definitely the easiest. It's just making minor changes here and there. But the hardest one to learn, I, I'd probably say calling because I think there's different ways that different stats teams call it, um, just kind of different lingo that they use. And then also remembering to call things like that was a fast break, what type of turnover, the descriptors on certain plays. And so that took me a little time to get used to. But I think that having my prior experience in playing basketball kind of helped me pick both those things up pretty quickly because I could always fall back onto my knowledge of the game if there was something I was unsure of. No, that's, that's pretty dope. So this is like, so I have a, 
I'm kind of into data a little bit. So when I'm, I'm currently in school working on my master's in business and administration with a data analytics concentration. And so just hearing you guys talk about this, like it got my, it got my brain like going off like fireworks right now. Uh, one thing that I was curious about, has there ever been really been like an athlete that ever gone back and like watched the game and look at the stat sheet, realize that it may not line up with like what, like what you guys have written down or what you guys have stats, like how much do, like, does that like, ever really happen at all? Uh, I mean, there are times where we have yeah. to feed into like post game corrections, review the game. Uh, things were recorded correctly. I think it happened a lot more for me with Santa Cruz in terms of reviewing a game and making stats corrections than it did with Golden State. Because in the G League, we don't have that connection to the NBA Game Op Center. So we don't have someone telling us live what we need to go and correct, which I really think would be useful to have in the G League so that you're not having all those post-game errors to come fix. But yeah, there's definitely been times where you got to go correct a couple guys' stats. And it's not something that you want to have to do, especially with these guys in the G League particularly they're trying to get their shot to be called up to the NBA and having that live accuracy of their stats could, you know, be a difference point in their, their stat line sticking out to a prospect or a scout. And so we really try our best to make sure that it is all accurate, but uh, certainly messed up a few times. Yeah, I definitely can relate to that. I know, I know when I was calling some games, I made mental notes and like wrote stuff down of uh, plays before and we'd use like the uh, media timeouts or use halftime or just longer periods of time to have someone go back, watch video, make sure it's correct. And as you said, there are those guys who will probably after the game like, hey, I need a steal here. I got a rebound here. And that's, I do agree. They should have someone live watching the game as well. Yeah, though, no, I remember we've been yelled at by Draymond before about, hey, I should have more rebounds. And like, that was my steal, which is always funny to me. Like, when that happens, I'm like, man, y'all are really counting, huh? But yeah, that, that was just a, a funny thing. And, you know, we go back, we check the film, and I think more often than not, Draymond is right. He should have had that rebound. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. How how has it been covering or had an opportunity to cover uh, and watch those games, those those Golden State Warrior games, especially their playoff runs, like up close and personal like that? That was just the time of my life. Unfortunately, they didn't win the championship the year that I got, I got there to right. start covering the playoffs. But just that finals atmosphere, there's, there's nothing else like it. I would give anything to see the Warriors get back there and to be a part of that. I remember being in the building for game six against Toronto and Clay's going off. It was incredible. But the moment that always sticks out to me is right after he tears his ACL. And when he come down, you see that classic like twisting of the knee. I knew right away it was ACL. But when he ran back out there to go shoot those free throws like I started tearing up it was deafening in Oracle that atmosphere was just absolutely nuts and it's really sad that he's been out the last two years I think the game really misses him and 
it's I can't wait to see him come back. But, you know, those next two years transitioning over to Chase, it's been hard for the team. A lot of rebuilding, a lot of young guys having to learn Steve Kerr's system. You had Steph missing most of last year as well, which was really tough to to try to get myself to be hyped for 40 some games to work because it's tough basketball to watch. But this year getting to see Steph have an MVP caliber type season, like it's such a privilege to get a front row seat to see one of the best to ever do it. Yeah, that's pretty awesome to be able to do that. So how do you think, um, we know you have an article you wrote about the NBA rebounding and stuff like that. How do you think analytics has kind of changed the game of basketball and how um, players play the game? I think that there is more of a way that analytics can go. I think that depending on the program you're in, the organization you're with, different teams use it to a different degree I think personally like analytics can go a lot further when people learn that you can bridge the divide between what you see on the court with the eye test and what the numbers and analytics tell you you know there's often this argument between like the basketball heads and the analytics people that you know a lot of the pure basketball guys just call like data nerds and there, there is a place where those two things can meet and be useful. So I think that that's the next step in NBA analytics really being more impactful to the game is when you have teams that use the eye test along with what the numbers are telling you to help game plan. I remember talking to someone from the analytics department for the Kings and they were telling me that, you know, their analytics team watches a lot of film, which is, I think, the way that you got to go about it too, because when you're writing these programs, these codes, and you're looking at that data, you just want to mentally be able to check that, okay, like this makes sense. Like what we're seeing on the floor lines up with what our, our numbers are saying. And so I think that it's been such a useful thing to the game. I think anytime you have data to be able to help with decision making it's just going to be beneficial but there's a proper way for it to be used and I think that when you can bridge that divide like I said it's going to be just going to take off yeah that definitely makes sense I, I and I know I hear the argument all the time about um like for a perfect example to how the three-point game is ruined or it has you know, cause the the two point game to go out, the mid range game to go out, out place, and you know, I think that there's nothing wrong with taking the two in some scenarios, especially if you know if you're open or if that's just your your sweet spot. You know, you have certain players in the league that they dominate that 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 mid range, like your Kawhi, or even if if you look at like Zach Levine, uh, his scoring numbers and stuff. So so all that stuff is is interesting of how you try to blend blend data with the knowledge of the game. Um, what so when you do your when you do your own research is it stuff that comes from is it come from like top down from organization or is it something that hey i wanted to look more closely at say like the rebounding or even just uh certain people's shot selections is that something that's top down or is it something that you come up with as you do your research it's been something that 
I come up with in part trying to showcase the way that I think the game for future job opportunities, me trying to eventually land a job in an NBA front office, that's my goal. So I would set out doing these little projects to showcase how I think the game and it's allowed me to network with people in the industry, get feedback from them and just really grow my connection to the NBA. Most of these things start off with me watching a game and observing something. For example, the guard rebounding came when I was watching Phoenix in the bubble last year and I see Devin Booker get a rebound and take it coast to coast. I'm like, man, it's just so much easier to score when a guard gets a rebound because it's immediate pressure that you put on the defense to have to get back in transition. And I think back to one of my teammates that I played with in college. She was one of the best guard rebounders, I think, in our conference, super athletic. And whenever she would rebound, we were just better as a team after all, because freak athlete, she's just going coast to coast when she gets it. We got our wings running down the alley, getting to their spots and a post rim running. So I just took that idea of seeing that and kind of dove deeper into the numbers, see if what I'm seeing on the floor matches up with what the data says about it. No, that that also totally makes sense, you know, because I know I, sometimes when I'm watching games, I'm like, yeah, I wonder how much or how, how often does that really actually happen or like are just looking beyond the numbers of what of what comes up. How so I, I don't I'm not sure if you really answer this question or not, but how did you like fall in love or start getting involved with data? Like what made you get into the programming aspect of it? What made you get into the numbers and analytics aspect of it? It really, I think, goes back a little bit to my college career coming out of high school. Obviously, when you get to the college level, everyone is the best from their high school. But when I got to college, it was a reality check for me. Yeah, I didn't get to play as much as I would have wanted to. And, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I said that I, I could think the game better than I could play. And slowly throughout my four years in college, I transitioned into kind of this player coach role on my team, helping out my teammates with player development, the guards learning to be more creative in their shot making, shot taking abilities in order for us to be more efficient. So I think that that's kind of when I really fell in love with the coaching and training side of it. And then getting a job with the Santa Cruz Warriors and Golden State is really when I started to pay more attention to the actual stats. I started to try to learn Python. And I was talking to one of my mentors who was with me for my college sophomore year. He's a player development coach for the Washington Wizards right now, Cameron Sufi. And he was telling me once that, yeah, analytics is this really new space that I can look to get my foot in the door into because especially it's unfortunate to have to say this, but for an analytics space, it doesn't matter what your gender is or any of these other things about you. It's like 
can you do the job? Do you know what you're talking about? And so I found that I took that advice and I said like, okay, this could be a real way for me to kind of get in here. And that's when I took to learning programming. I'm currently doing a master's in sports analytics at American University. I'm really just trying to grow my skill set to give myself the best opportunity. And I think the numbers are fascinating. It's, it's really something that I have fallen in love with the more I looked into it. Definitely, definitely can agree with that because my time being on the stack, I was just, you feel important towards, towards the game and towards um, what people are seeing. And I think, as you've been saying, it's interesting seeing the numbers and the stats behind um, what goes on in the game. People are sitting there watching the game, they see what's happening, but it's more deeper than that with, as you said, like the rebounding and the shooting and just the way uh, teams play and the way that basketball is just basically a chess match and um, can you outlast your other opponent? So um, I do like uh, what you said so far about all that. Thank you. And it's also interesting to see how the game has evolved. You can look at just post players and what kind of skill sets required of them these days. I, th I think a successful NBA center now has to be a really good passer. We obviously know that they got to be able to stretch out to the three-point line. But one thing that makes take the Joker, for example, Jokic, is that he's an incredible passer. And so not only do you have to stretch out to the three-point line to guard him, but that floor is so much bigger. And when his guards can make those off-ball cuts, he's going to find you. And that's so different than the big man of like 10, 20 years ago. So I think it's just fascinating to see these types of things and maybe predict where the game's going to go next. Yeah, that is one of my next questions is, what do you see the games getting ready to go next? Like, you know, one thing you have your, you know, your Steph Curry that, that, you know, changed the game as far as three pointers and then you now you see your centers, like you just mentioned, like jo uh, the Joker with him being just like a real big center, another MVP candidate type career, uh, year that he had with the passing and the numbers they put up. What's that like? What do you feel is those the next change for the game? That's a really good question. Um, yeah. I, I mean, we've seen the game transition to positionless kind of basketball. Yeah. And now we've kind of seen the, the big man kind of reassert himself as an important position just in a different way that yeah. it used to be. Um, I think that I hate saying two-way players because basketball is a two-way game, so everyone should be a two-way kind of player. But I no, really, I, I get it. I I think that that's the next place because you can't just be a three and D guy anymore and help your team be successful, especially if those threes aren't falling. We just saw that with Dallas losing today to the series of the Clippers. And you got guys like. Tim Hardaway, Maxi Kleber, those shots weren't falling like they were before. And so you got to be able to bring something else to the table than just being a, a specialist. So I think that players are going to have to a more well-rounded skill set, especially if you're a guard wing type player, you got to be able to put the ball on the floor. Like you see it with Duncan Robinson too. Teams are going to learn that 
they're going to run him off the line. And if he can't create from there, either for himself or for his teammates, he's not really an asset to a team. So learning to put the ball on the floor, be multidimensional as a player, I think we're going to transition away from seeing just stars surrounded by three and D guys like, no, you gotta, you gotta be a basketball player. Yeah, I totally agree with, agree with that. Um, just because that positional is basketball, you need more people on the floor that could do more than just one thing, especially when that one thing is not going from just, just as much as you mentioned. Uh, speaking of the playoffs, what do you think of the game so far? What do you think? Do you have any playoff predictions that you have? I think I've been I think I've been pretty wrong so far in my predictions. I actually thought the Lakers would last longer than they did, but unfortunately AD got hurt and sometimes that swings a series. But Mm -hmm. I I'm really enjoying it so far, to be honest. Obviously, I wish my Warriors were in there. I don't think they would have gone too far, but I would have loved to see them have a shot at it. Yeah. But there's so much young talent in the league right now. I absolutely enjoy. Trey Young just loving the big stage. Devin Booker stepping up. You know, Luca's been incredible. There's so much young talent in the league that the game is in good hands. So I'm really just enjoying sitting back, watching the playoffs. If I had to pick a team that I would love to be successful and get to the finals, I think I'd love to see Phoenix. Chris Paul is incredible leader. Devin Booker finally getting his shot on the big stage. Aiton is playing well. Utah will be a hard team to get past. Can't discount that. They're the number one seed in the West for a reason. But I I would love to see Phoenix get to the finals. And, of course, on the east side, there's Brooklyn, which is just a three-headed monster to get through. Harden got hurt yesterday, so we don't know what's going to go down with that but I mean Kevin Durant since he entered the league was one of my favorite players like you got a seven footer who could basically play point guard it's absolutely insane so I never count out a Kevin Durant team so yeah if I wanted to see a matchup I'd go Phoenix Brooklyn Ooh, I like that I I really actually do like that matchup just because just as you mentioned to see you book finally get his chances on a big stage you know when they went they went well undefeated in the bubble last year and still couldn't couldn't really get into the playoffs so now he finally get a shot so um and you know book is just one of them underrated people um often overlooked just because of how it's not really his fault just how talented or how many people is out in the west that's super talented from um from your Steph to your you know, Kawhi to you know, LeBron, you know, each team almost in the West has a star and it's really, it's, it's super tough out there. And um, yeah, I think, I think the best team coming out the East will be Brooklyn. Um, as long as they can continue to stay healthy, it, that's the the biggest key in any, in, in any series is just maintaining that health. What, um, how has being a woman affected your career? Or has it had any impact on your career at all? I, I don't think anyone can ever admit this, really. But I, yeah. I believe it, it's had an impact on certain opportunities I may not have gotten that I've interviewed mm-hmm. for. Um, 
obviously I can't tell you exactly that that's exactly the reason, but I think being a woman, especially a woman of color, it's always going to be harder in this male-dominated industry and in this male-dominated sport for me to get a chance. But what I'm doing with Google right now, contracting as a sports analyst, um, this is like a newly created position with their marketing team. And so for them to give this opportunity of something that's never been done before to a woman of color and say that you are our expert when it comes to sports, that's something that really for me to have so that I can pave the way for someone else to get a shot. That's something that is really important and really was enticing to me about taking this job. It is, there is a lot of like uncertainty with it. I don't know what's going to happen, what it entails, but I know that because being a woman and a woman of color may have necessarily made it a little harder for me to get my shot in certain jobs that me doing this job and doing it well can maybe make it a little easier for the next person. So that's something that really means a lot to me to get the chance to do. Yeah, we definitely wish you the best of luck with anything that you do, because we believe that you are super talented just from the conversations that we had with you and just being able to watch from afar. Speaking of your position with Google, is there anything that you could tell us, like what you do with Google or how different that was from being with the Golden State Warriors? Yeah, um, one thing that Google announced a couple weeks ago, like right when I started, was their partnership with the WNBA, which I think is absolutely huge to be able to grow the sport you have, such a notable company backing this league that wants to see growth. And so just kind of broad picture of what I do is looking at search data and seeing how are fans interacting with the W, what are they searching for, and how can we help grow the league? Uh, since I'm still relatively new at the job, it's been about a month that I'm in there. It's still something that I'm figuring out, but I, I absolutely love the, the challenge of it all and looking at that and seeing what we could do for the W because it's, it's such an important league. I think it's one of the most like socially justice active professional leagues out there. I think they do the best job in driving these tough conversations. And in a lot of ways, the basketball is much more pure product than the NBA. I think it's just better basketball, to be honest. Um, so that's really exciting for me. And what's different with Golden State is with this new position at Google, it allows a lot of like creative freedom for me, which is something that I'm really excited about the opportunity to have. You know, doing game day stats for the NBA, it's just you're recording what you see and that's it. Like it's all just fact-based data, but what I'm doing now, it's I get to be creative, think about different ideas, uh, pitch these ideas on how do we market this, this data that we have to help our partners, which is the WNBA in this case and help that grow. So very, very exciting thing for me. 
Definitely, definitely like that. And definitely, um, as we've been following the W um, lately and what they've been doing, it's kind of nice to see um, the stands that they're taking on certain things and just bringing that to the light um, for those people who may not see on the W. And I know that their um, viewership has gone up since the beginning of the season started. I know they've been posting stuff on Twitter with uh, fan engagement they have and um, the people that have been watching, which I'm sure you've probably been seeing that too with um, how it's been trending. And as Desmond and I have talked on past episodes, we're hoping for uh, an expansion within the dub, the W so that they can get more teams and uh, more people want to play and more people entering the draft for it. And it's um, sad to see some of the um, college women basketball players don't get a chance to play and they have to go overseas. So we're kind of hoping for um, more teams. I don't know what your thoughts on, that are but that's what we're kind of thinking oh i i am all in on getting a bay area wnba team i think it absolutely needs to be done it's a great market for it i know a lot of people out here want it too so i'm i'm all for the expansion especially like when you see these daily tweets of these skilled players who have the ability to play in the w and they're getting cut because you have 12 teams with 12 roster spots and that's only 144 players that you can have, but there's so much more of a talent pool than that. So I think expansion absolutely needs to happen. You got to give more of these women the opportunity to showcase their talent on the big stage. And yeah, I'm in agreement with you as I want to see it done. Yeah, we definitely want to see it done. So I know past conversations that we have, we was always looking at uh, Philadelphia as being one spot potentially, and then also the, uh, somewhere in the Bay Area, whether it's San Francisco, definitely um, deserves a shot yeah, having a team on the West Coast. So we're we're all for it. We, we it's for me right now. I'm like I ain't gonna say I'm basketball out, but it's just so much sports going on where where I'm watching. I'm trying, I'm trying to pay attention to MLB. I'm a big White Sox fan. I'm trying to keep up with the NBA playoffs, you know, three or two games every day, every other day. And then you also got the WNBA season that's going on. And so I'm I'm still trying to catch up on games. I know my wife is always watching. She she focuses focuses primarily on WNBA, so she always puts that first. But me, I'm like, yo, how do people keep up with all the sports that's going on right now? I mean, am I alone with feeling that way? Like, how do you feel about it? I think oh, it's, I'm over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's yeah, difficult. Same. It's, as I was saying, there's so much stuff happening. And I'm sure with what you're doing with the analytics side, I'm sure it's way more than just watching a game. Oh, yeah. It's, it's looking into data for all different types of th- sporting events, not just the W, even though that, that's our partnership. It's all kinds of things. Then you got the Olympics coming up. I know that that's going to be a big thing looking at mm-hmm. data for which is awesome because the olympics are my one of my favorite sporting events ever i think there's so much fun seeing all these different sports get attention that usually nobody would ever think about in the between three years but yeah i'm, I'm overwhelmed by the amount of options in sports that we have on i want to watch more wnba games i have league pass i mean 18 bucks that's a steal to yeah. be able to watch those games but um, 
It is. I, I'm just grateful that I can always go back. Once they air, I always go back and watch it. Uh, just because sometimes watching it live, I go to like Twitter to go watch it live or I go to Facebook to watch it. I'm like, this is so weird to me. Like this, you know, I want, I'm, I'm ready for one, the expansion, but also two, just for it to be able to be on live TV, just like any other sporting event that that is male dominant, you know, because so many of the, the women's sports is not really just put on tv and i'm just like yo i just want to be able to just you know go <laughs> go put right. it on tv so no like they got to nationally televise them more and another partnership that the w just got was amazon prime to have them stream mm-hmm. a number of their games this year which is another huge one for them anytime you can get people to have access to the sport it's gonna help it so really just would love to see the access continue to grow. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, how how important or how um useful has it been to have a, like a mentor? I, I know you mentioned that you had a, like a mentor that um that has helped you along the way. Well, so how important has that relationship been? It's been just instrumental um i mentioned my guy from the wizards that i have also a big mentor for me in the field is mark spears with you know espn and the undefeated i met him at a warriors game my first year working with the team and he's like man i've never seen an indian up in the media section before and his you know then fiance now wife is an indian so you know we took a picture he sent it to her I asked him to send it to me too. And we just kind of maintain a relationship from there. And it's anytime I have a question about how to go about applying for a job or advice on the the industry and the field, he's he's there for me. And I've been so lucky to have such an incredible support system, you know, from my family to my previous coaches to these mentors that I mentioned because sports, I think more than any other industry are so limited. The demand for jobs is so high, but the supply is really low. So it's really hard to to get a shot. So the more kind of people I surround myself with who are looking out for me, wanting to see me be successful, I think the better a chance that that going for me and I'm really fortunate to have a good number of those people yeah it is important to always have those people in the corner that can just can support you especially uh when people recognize like like yo he was like yo I've never seen another Indian and and but like that's crazy (laughs) just the the fact that he knows that he recognized that and he's also like a big fan and supporter for you um how you know how how competitive is the the market for data analytics? Because I feel like it's it's like one of those big buzzwords that people throw out there, and it seems like like there's either not enough openings for it, or there is like tons of opportunities out there for it. What is the market like for it right now? I think the problem is like a little bit a mix of both and. I think the way that a lot of teams are going about it now, at least initially with the field being so new, is 
they have to build their platforms, their data and analytics, like their databases have to be built. And so that limits the scope of the talent that they can go after a little bit. You're looking more on these computer science programming people than maybe someone who has the experience in the sport, but maybe not as much of the technical knowledge. And that could shift once teams get these databases built. You have the technical platforms there, and now you want someone who can maybe think the game a little bit more. But, I mean, I know I've applied for a number of data science, data analytics jobs with the NBA and obviously didn't get any of them. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd be doing that. But uh, it, it's super competitive. And right now, I think analytics departments on NBA teams are kind of small. You relatively have maybe four to five people, and that's on the higher end of an analytics department for a team. So it's, it is a mix of there's so many people who want these kinds of jobs and they're just not being enough of them. And then the lack of diversity, I think, in the talent pool, because with them going with these computer science kinds of people, you're really limiting the scope of the, the backgrounds that you're drawing people from. It's, it's not a diverse applicant pool, which is, I think, another problem that kind of needs to be solved in the industry, not just in analytics, but overall in general. Yeah, yeah, it's it's tough. And I I just really hope to see it get a little more inclusive, there be more opportunities and for this thing to grow. Yeah, what? um, So I'm I'm curious, so what type of like programs? uh, So I know you mentioned uh, you use Python, Uh, do you use a lot of R? Or what are like some of the programs and stuff that you have to interact with or use on a daily basis? With Google, it's really not a lot of programming that I have okay. to do. Uh, mostly what I did with Python, I did learn a little bit of R as well, was me wanting to do those individual projects that I've done about like guard rebounding okay, and that kind of thing. So the Python, I kind of taught myself a little bit and then... In terms of databases, I use MongoDB. Um, I know SQL is kind of a popular one, but my dad is a computer science guy. And so he's incredibly smart in that field. MongoDB is his thing. So he taught it to me. And that was, yeah, it was just easy for me to learn because I had someone who is an expert in it just be able to teach it to me. So that's kind of kind of the platforms that I use. Okay, okay. Yeah, I've I'm pretty I'm familiar with um SQL. I'm also familiar. I've I've seen Mongo around. Like I always treat databases like uh similar is all just data where the place where they just store it at. So just whether the commands you use to to get the data out of the database or insert and stuff, you know, it's just that's the only thing that's really different from each. That's always the way I always view it. So I could be wrong about that. <laughs> I mean, they are like similar and yeah, like what you say in terms of storing data, I think it's just like kind of different commands that you'd use to to manipulate it, change it around, transform it. Um, yeah. Like but I think once you have a big picture idea of what databases are and how they work, getting to the little picture of the different types of programs is easier. 
Yeah, I totally agree. Well, that concludes our first segment of our interview. So now we're going to transition to the game within a game. So it's our repertoire segment where we ask you like either or type mm-hmm. questions. Sometimes it's a little bit more uh, expansive than that. Um, it's just a game that me and Brady play. So we like to just have fun just to after we get through the interview portion of it. So the question is, are you ready to play? Well, of course. All let's right. Do all it. right. All right, so the very first question is that we're going to ask is going to be very simple. So do you prefer TV shows or movies? Oh, gosh. Uh, I'd probably go movies. Um, it's, that's tough for me because right now Marvel's releasing a lot of TV shows, and I'm a big Marvel nerd. Let's go. I love the MCU, but they just they got more movies. So, yeah, I got to go. I got to go movies on that front. Yeah, um. I prefer TV shows just because of the, the storytelling aspect. But you are—I'm a big like I read and collect comics. So I'm a big nerd on the side as well. Um, I know B prefers. Uh, he's also on the, on the TV show side. I think I could kind of convince him. He started off as a movie person, but over time I've kind of swinged him into into a TV show. Okay, okay. I think yeah. I used to be like a, a TV show person, but kind of transitioned to to movies. Yeah, on that, then since you're a big Marvel fan, what is your favorite Marvel movie then? Infinity War. Yeah, yeah I just, hands um, down. I've rewatched it so many times in quarantine. It's between like that and I think Ragnarok, I've watched a number of times. It's so funny. Chris Hemsworth is great in it. Love him with the haircut. It's, yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, I agree with that. So our next question is, do you like chocolate chip cookies or oatmeal raisin cookies? Unpopular opinion, but oatmeal raisin. Let's go. <laughs> I'm an oatmeal raisin fan. Yeah, that might be the first time we had an oatmeal raisin question, an oatmeal raisin fan on the podcast, it's, I think. It's, it's been a while, but it's, it's not too often. They're yeah. highly underrated. <laughs> Uh, so this one is kind of like a storytelling one. So what's your favorite sports moment that you've seen in person? God, I, I got to say Steph dropping 62 this year. It's mm. like I told the game six play story and that was incredible to be there for that. But that's a sad moment because it led to him being out for the next two years. But yeah. At home this year, Steph dropping 62 against Portland, especially when you have all the chatter saying that Steph can't get it done without superstar teammates and he comes out and drops a career high 60 piece. And I was courtside for that because the Warriors at the time didn't have fans in the arena. So their stats crew was sitting down on the floor and getting a front row seat to that was that that was magical. Yeah, if I if I've seen something like that, that would be definitely top notch. Just because the way that, like the way that they have to guard stuff, like they can't no longer just put one person on them. They have to either double team him or make sure there's a third body that's close by him, and that makes it like I was watching just watching. I got the the Lakers and uh, go State Warriors game in my head, and just the way that the Lakers had to to the defend this man is just absurd like he doesn't need much room to get off a shot yeah. he can finish at the rim 
and he still got great vision. Like this dude is almost unguardable. Like you have to literally pick him up at half court, and sometimes you may have to even pick him up, pick him up before half court. Yeah, I mean his his one fault that I pick on is that he's a little too loose and casual with the ball sometimes. Um, but that's just the way he plays. But yeah, almost unguardable. I kept the stat sheet from that sixty-two point game. I think it's still in my car. It was. Oh, man, I'll never forget that one. That's awesome. So if you had a chance to take over any organization in professional sports, which one would you take over? Golden State, easy. Like, from the Bay Area, they're my favorite team. Uh, I just would absolutely love to help them, you know, get back to their championship ways, get more championships down the line to be able to bring something like that to my hometown. Cause I know how it feels when your home team is winning championships and man, if I got to take over an organization, I definitely want it to be that one. That's a good, that's a good choice. So um, I, I always loved the Golden State, but I love the Golden State because of the, the colorway, like cause of the, the jerseys, especially the, the We Believe jerseys with the with the with the logo is holding the Thunderbolt. Like that was mm-hmm. icon iconic for me when I was growing up. I was always playing like NBA Live and I always picked them because I love their jerseys. So that kind of brings me to our next question is what is your favorite jersey a colorway in both the NBA and the WNBA? The I mean with the NBA it's it is the We Believe Warriors. I just Man, that was such a great uniform when they brought it back with the, the Nike edition for the final game, uh, final regular season game at Oracle Arena. They were playing the Clippers. They just looked so clean. It was awesome. And and the WNBA knocked it out the park this year with their jersey releases. Uh, as a nerd, I do love the Indiana Fever Stranger Things jersey. I thought that, that one was just so cool but generally as a colorway I go with Las Vegas aces there's black red gold and white it's it's super clean it looks great and that team's just out there killing it and they look good doing it yeah I like that every time we've talked about the colorway with the WNBA the fever has been brought up with uh, Stranger Things jersey which does look pretty nice Oh, they did a great job, and I can't wait for what, season three, season four, whatever the next season is coming out. I don't even know. I couldn't tell you. I haven't. I don't think I've watched an episode yet. People might not like me saying that, but I don't think I've seen an episode <laughs> of the TV okay. series yet. Brady, don't feel alone. Cause I'm right there with you, man. I got. <laughs> I, I feel like I got a catalog of stuff that I need to watch, and that's definitely like in the middle tier somewhere. It's like three two or three so don't feel yeah, bad you guys are tv show people too and you haven't seen know. Things. it's because we're trying to watch all these basketball games so <laughs> oh man so one i know one of the last questions that we have for you is uh build your top five in the nba and also in the wnba current or former it could be your choice okay your world all right, you know, point, I'd go Steph, um, shooting guard, you gotta go MJ, 
small forward. We go Kobe. Um, I'm trying to think. I'm going to go with like a small ball five. So I'm going to go power forward, LeBron, and at the center, KD. D, that's tough. Okay. Yeah. Uh, all right. I'll let's see. The, the W. I like uh, small ball lineup. Yeah. For the W, point guard, Super two, Diana Tarasi, White Mamba. Uh, let's see. Three. can't remember if Tamika Catchings was a three or four, but she's on there. Um, you did a four, but you can, it's your lineup. You can play where yeah. you can play. I'll play the four. Uh, for a three. I'm going to put Stewie at the three. Um, Brianna Stewart. And then for the five, I'm going to go Asia Wilson. That's a solid lineup. Yeah. Yeah, there's just there's so much good talent. It's hard to pick, but yeah, those are some of my favorite players. Yeah, I think that's a good lineup for both of them. Um, like the picks that you have, but um, that kind of concludes our uh, interview today with the question portion in the rapid fire. So for the people listening and viewing this, where can they find you at on like social media? Where can they follow you? Uh, yeah, my Instagram is at Ananya R13. Um, I think my Twitter is at Ananya Raghavan, so just my full name there. Um, and those are the two kind of platforms I'm active on. I'm, despite me being a part of Gen Z hoops, I don't identify with Gen Z cultures. So I don't do TikTok. I don't know how it works. Um, so Instagram and Twitter, really. And I try to try to live tweet some NBA playoff games or WNBA games when I can just get my thoughts out there. Yeah. Don't feel bad about TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) Don't feel, don't feel bad. (laughs) Um, For those people that are listening and viewing, you can follow us um, on Instagram at capturing underscore the underscore game underscore pod. You can search us up on Twitter at CTG underscore podcast. And then you can search us up on Facebook and YouTube uh, under Capturing the Game podcast. Um, Ananya, I'd like to thank you for joining us today on this podcast, and uh, we hope that we can um, have you on again here in the future. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. This was a great time, just kind of getting to relive some memories from my career, and the rapid fire was fun. That was a good time, so thank you guys, and I wish you the best of luck as well with what you're doing going forward.